Welcome everybody to True Exact Show. I'm here with Eric, Brian, Dan, and our guest tonight is a comic book writer and publisher of Iron Age Comics, John Santana. How you doing, man? Hope you're staying safe during this time. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You? Uh, awesome. Uh, I can't speak for anybody else, so if you want to do a roundtable, Dan, how you doing? <laughs> I'm pretty good today. Brian? What's up, Dan? Fantastic. <laughs> Eric? Hey, Brian. I spilled uh, curry oh, soup in my car, so I've been better. <laughs> I would imagine, by the way funny story and i love the fact that your car got ruined but we'll talk about that later uh john so uh you're in the comic books you're a publisher of the comics i've read the comics they're pretty cool they're awesome the drawings are amazing uh but before we get into the actual stories i want to ask you your backstory how you got into comics go man yeah so i mean i've been into comics ever since i was a little kid uh gi joe was the first comic my uncle ever got me when i was seven years old and I was hooked ever since then. I started off as like a Marvel kid. But uh, pretty early on, since my dad was a DC head, like my dad didn't even tell me that he was into comics until after three years I was collecting. And he sees me reading Spider-Man. He sees me reading Avengers. And he's like, what's up with that? Where's Superman? He's like, let Batman. me hand you the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So he starts dropping some DC comics on me. Um, and then I just, I just had to voraciously read everything, you know. And uh, funny thing is, in middle school and high school, I thought I was the only one. I didn't think anybody else was reading comics. So I thought I knew everything. I thought I was the guru. If anybody was, had any sort of interest in X-Men, if I heard the name X-Men, I'd just jump in and show how much of a nerd I was. I had no shame. And uh, <laughs> I found out pretty quick that there was a lot of people um, in the 90s, you know, when I was in high school, into comics too, you know, coming out of the comics closet because back then it wasn't cool to be a nerd at all. Uh, right. Comics were not cool. So, you know, we would get together in clicks and talk comics and everything. And then um, early on, I would say in ninth grade, I, I wrote my first comic and I drew, I want to say like five, six pages myself, which was really, really hard to do. Um, I thought I was a really good artist, but I never put the time and effort in it to be a great artist. But I love writing the stories. So, I think uh, the first, my, my favorite rapper was, uh, was Red Man at the time in the 90s. That year, I think it was like 91. Shout out and to I made a, Huh? Shout out to New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, shout out, out Jersey. Brick yeah. City. <laughs> I, decided, uh, I decided my first comic character would be Red Man, and I just, you know, made something crazy. Uh, really violent, you know. I, I remember I drew this picture of the, the characters just like, for some reason, fighting this panther and ripping it open, blood and guts everywhere. So I think I knew early on that I was going to write some uh, violent or hinted action stuff. So that's where it started, man. That's where the bug bit me. Nice. Uh, I know I'm going to hand this to Brian really quick because he's like, my uh, to me, the comic book guru. Brian, if you got anything, go for it, man. <laughs> Shut up. I mean, when it comes, I mean, I'm a huge DC fan over Marvel. Um, is there any, what, what really stood out to you that kind of showed the difference between uh, DC and Marvel in general? Like, what was one big thing that stood out to you that separated the two of them? Uh, well, I'll just talk early on. Like, first, first impressions when I was a kid is uh, there was something, you know, I couldn't have expressed it this way when I was a kid, but there's something grandiose about the Justice League. There was something mythical. Um, I, you know, it felt almost biblical, mm. um, the level of storytelling, reading about Superman, uh, even as a kid, I recognized history there, maybe because, you know, I'd seen Christopher Reeve on screen, and there was something at the time more ground level for Marvel for me, something I felt like I could relate to, and I couldn't really, I, you couldn't have asked me as a kid, I wouldn't have been able to answer this way, but just looking back, 
just in my memory, I just felt like uh, maybe because Peter Parker was a teenager, I just felt like I connected more to Marvel at the time. But I still read Superman and Batman mm -hmm. and Justice League. At the time, Justice League was the, uh, the what was that artist's name? Kevin Nolan? The one, um, no, Kevin McGuire for that Justice League, the Justice League International run yeah. where um, it was all goofy and comedy. Uh, and then Batman would just come in and strain everybody's mm -hmm. faces. You know, he was all serious. And I always loved that about that yeah, uh, yeah. the dynamic of that. Um, yeah, so I would say that that's the difference. There was like a mythical, godlike quality of the characters in DC, and I was just more grounded for Marvel for me. Uh, how did you said? I want to mm -hmm. go back to when you started. Um, you said you were a good artist. You didn't take the time to be the great artist. Um, did you focus more then on writing the comics than drawing the actual illustrations? How did yeah. you like, go into that? Did you find I, I, yourself as a better writer than George? So you're like, all right, this is the lane I want to take. Right. It's funny because that, that went into college for me, and I'll get to that in a second. So I just found that I spent more time writing, and I would find myself, I've written issue three of a comic book before I even finished drawing issue one. And mm -hmm. I thought, well, that, that must be where my love lies, you know, and, and I want to put more time and effort into that. Um, when I went to college, I wanted to go to film school. I actually did go to film school, uh, SUNY Purchase, New York. They have a uh, um, theater arts and film program. And so I went to film school and thinking I was going to go into the directing program. And it's, it, was a, it was a pretty tight list. Every year they only had like 10 or 12 students. And uh, so I went there and the director's like, uh, so show me some films, films you made. And I said, oh, well, I haven't made any. I just think I'll be a great filmmaker. And he goes, but you've handed me a couple of scripts. Where's the film? You haven't shot anything. And I'm like, yeah, well, I can turn these scripts into movies. And he's like, you're a writer. This is what you love doing. This is what you brought here to the film program to interview. You brought scripts. You didn't bring anything visual. And that's when it hit me. Like, that's, that's my love. That's my strength. That's where I go. So I kind of pulled away from the visual stuff and went all in on the writing and found that I was good at it. I loved it. I, you know, I did great in school, did a, a couple of plays in school. And I always knew that comics was going to be a part of my future. Um, even though I thought I was going to get into animation you know right out of college i started an animation project that everything looked like it was going to go well uh didn't end up working out because you know young guy coming into uh trying to do animation out of nowhere you know i got some people to invest a lot of money but projects still went uh you know up right so i would, I would love to know um how hard is it a ground to break into the comic book like, I don't know much That's, about that whole area. Like, is it cutthroat? Is it very, like, it, let's be honest, that, you got your two monsters. It's like you got Marvel, DC, you got, it's like Coke and Pepsi. And you got, like, the RC Cola, the Sam's Choice. Like, what does it take to just bust through there, you know? You, you don't know how much of a loaded question that is in 2020. COVID <laughs> aside, COVID aside, it's, it, comics is crazy right now. So back when I started in 2011... All right. That's when the when I first started working on Jaded. Okay, um, back when I started in 2011, there was only one choice. Kickstarter was brand new. Right. Independent comics, you you had to break in. Like you still had to get into Image or one of the smaller independent companies. Or if you wanted to create a company yourself, like I did, you had to hit one company distributor called Diamond Distributors. They were the monopoly, like government sanctioned, literally. Uh, they got taken to court because they were the only authorized distributor for Marvel, DC, and Image. Really the only comic sales giants out there. That's it. They all went through this one place, Diamond Distributors. So I worked with Diamond and um, 
they just don't care about the littlest little guy. They just don't care. They didn't care how good the product was. They wanted to know business. And I didn't know anything about business. I went to school for writing. And I put together mm. art with a lot of great artists. And they're like, what's your business model? I said, I don't know how to spell business model. <laughs> so I did some studying. And uh, I, I worked on a business plan and everything. And I realized there was sort of a mark on me from Diamond. Every time I would submit a plan to them, they were just like, this guy again, this guy again. So at, at, over the years, I started saying, I just want to focus on the product. I'll make the best product that I can make and figure out how to break into that part of the industry. The one door that there was available, Diamond Distributor. I'll figure that out later. First, let me work on the product. Mm. And I wanted to get myself to six issues. So I have one trade paperback, this one right here, Jaded. Right. Mm -hmm. This is it, this is a very long dream. It took me to get to to get to the whole thing, especially without being able to sell anything on through Diamond, which is the largest and only distributor in the nation. That is so, really. I'm sorry to cut you off. That's the only comic book distributor in the fucking country until 2020. Okay. Uh, okay. So, okay, so up long, until since the yeah. beginning. Since, since like the, the beginning. 20? Right. So not not wow. since forever. I want to say in the 90s. Um, and I wish I could give you the exact history. All I know is that in the 90s, uh, when Marvel imploded, they got bought by Toy Biz, and they started going in a different direction. Um, both Marvel and DC made a deal with Diamond Distributors, and everybody else either went out of business or got pushed out of business. Mm -hmm. So all there was with that one distributor since 1991, I want to say. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, you can fact check me on that. I'm so sure so they, did, they did what like Vince McMahon did to wrestling. Like yes. the, I mean, he took over ECW, WC, and that was it. Like, you know, and, and that was it. So, wow. uh, because I was just the little guy and I was just the creator and I wasn't into, especially since I had a full-time job, I had a family. Mm -hmm. I didn't have time to dive in to figure out how to build the business from the ground up. So I said, let me just, let me just make the product and make the product good. And then Kickstarter started developing over the years. And I said, this is a business model that could work. There's revenue involved. There's, custom, there's a customer base you can go to and keep feeding them uh, more issues of the comic and build the base that way. So that's what my plan was. That's what I did. Um, and I ended up coming up with some other comic book projects. Everhounds, Wordsmith was able to complete those. They were successful. Uh, they were each one shots. But I kept working on Jaded until it was complete. So just to get to the 2020 thing again, because I'm sure that everybody's interested in that. Um, so DC was bought by AT&T. Well, DC and everything. Time Warner was bought by AT&T. I want to mm -hmm. say, what was it early last year, 2019? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the first thing that AT&T is looking at is revenue for DC. And like comic books don't make any money. Not compared to the movie properties. Not compared to the mm -hmm. DVD sales not compared to every other version of Batman and Superman, any other way over Lego and licensing, the comic books don't make as much. So they were kicking around just shutting down DC Comics. So that's what everybody thought was coming. Then COVID hit, the comic book industry took a nosedive, the whole industry, because they couldn't even distribute comic books. And uh, DC decided, you know what? We're going to come up with our own plan and just distribute comics ourselves. Mm. So they created a second... Uh, route a second avenue and I don't want to get into politics of it because there's politics involved you can look them up the uh, one of the distributors on the East Coast for DC is a retailer so there's a little bit of conflict of interest there the reason I bring this all up is now we're starting to see the gap open up now there's two distributors actually the second distributor is 
DC itself, it uses two, one on each coast, the East and the West Coast, and then you've got Diamond. So the distribution of comics is fractured right now. Independent comics don't even use the distributors. Independent comics, guys like me, we use Kickstarter mm. as a distributor. We can go direct to the consumer with our product. Mm -hmm. We don't have to pay the overhead to these distributors. We're not as big as Marvel, DC, Image, Boom, Dynamite. Right. So we can make more bang for our buck direct to the consumer. So that's a model that works for many uh, right. comic creators like myself. And that's what I'm going to continue doing, direct-to-consumer, <clears throat> until somebody decides they want to buy me. But it's like an independent music artist. At this point, you're almost better off because there's more avenues since 2011 to get yourself out there no matter what. You don't even need exactly. a big guy. Like, why sign a deal with, like, Atlantic Records if you're getting 10 million views yourself? You know, right. why pay the overhead? So, like, no, nah, that's that's really – I honestly, that's fucking great intel. I did not know that went on in the comic world. But then again, the world's politics. Dan, mm -hmm. you got a question? Yeah, so, like, what challenges, especially, like, with, like, self-publishing, did you, like, run into that you didn't think were going to happen? Like, did you think it was just going to be, like, an easy, like, route just to, like, have your own creativity and your own ownership over everything? I think the, that's a great question. I think the biggest challenge working with great artists <laughs> is that they're independent, too. And if you don't lock them down, they're going to go work elsewhere. I, I, mm -hmm. I have a great example. Actually, hold on one second. I'm going to grab uh, the visual to show you. Hold on. He never returned. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great question. Let me get the fuck out of here. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. I'm back. So um, this is the cover to Jaded Number 1 now. All right? This is the cover I released in... 2016 i want to say for maybe even 2017 for the first time uh, i think it's 2016 the original cover of jaded number one this is 2011 my first version right i went to new york comic con this is a new york comic con exclusive if you look at page number one in jaded number one or i'm sorry page number like three in jaded number one versus page number three in jaded uh the current one so this is 2011 this is 2016 completely different artist this guy, this cartoony style. Yeah. What I didn't know when I picked that kid up is that he was a kid. He was a child. I okay. met him over the internet. I saw him. Oh, my I loved God. The guy was 17 years old. Okay. The guy was okay. 17 years old. I had I no thought, idea. I thought you met an eight-year-old on the internet. I was like, yeah. <laughs> He was 17, but he didn't tell me that. His work was outstanding. He designed all the characters. And uh, he's like, oh, I'm sick. I'm sorry. The pages are late. And I gave him two, three chances. I'm like, man, I need these pages. What are you I, doing? I'm what, sick. How, I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. All right. What do you need? Flintstone vitamins. How old are you? <laughs> I had no idea. So I fire the kid, right? <laughs> That's two years later. <laughs> two years later, I see a Venom comic book with his name in it. Oh, my Marvel. God. Completely different style. By the time he was 19, this kid had risen to superstar level. Now he's drawing Marvel Comics all the time. He's drawing oh. Venom, uh, some Carnage stuff. He, he's drawing uh, uh, Angela, Avengers, Thor. This kid. Ow. So the point being is you one of the up, hardest man. things. <laughs> yeah, right? That's yeah, he's like, I'm one of the hardest things is holding, on, <laughs> is holding on to the talent. Holding on yeah. to the talent that you have. And being able to have a schedule with these guys who are good enough to get a knock on the door or a phone call from Marvel or DC and say, hey, you want to work for us? They just drop you. 
and they go work. Even if you're paying them well, they go work because they want to work on Batman. Jimbo, who did uh, the new version of Jaded Number One, he did Jaded Number Numbers One through Three. He did Batman Arkham Asylum comics. He's done Transformers. Really? Um, so it's it's great working with these guys. It's hard to keep them on the schedule with you. So I ended up working with a with a guy who was lesser known, who's a, an amazing talent, who finished the series Jaded Three through Six, um, and he's just been phenomenal jamar boulder if you saw um the the later comics in the series they were all jamar boulder and he's just amazing he's gonna get picked up how does that work as far as like um royalties like you did one through one through three with one artist three through six with another how does yeah. that work how is that a contractual thing so what you sell one through three he gets or is there like a every hand in the pot type thing that's a good question so i the contracts that i happen to work out were had no royalties because okay. I don't have a system in place to be able to track sales to that level. I'm the little guy. I want to say that again and again. I just, so the money I make, it does not go in my pocket. The money I make from sales of comics goes into printing and selling more right. comics because I'm just trying to build a brand. And these artists know that. So I pay them a flat rate and that's why I pay them a really good flat rate. That's why I'm competitive. And that's why they want to come back to me. because I pay them a good rate up front. They know that there's no royalties. They'll get comp comics. They'll get their name mentioned. They get to use the, the work that they do with me uh, to showcase their work and get picked up as they've done in the past. Um, and that's, that's my royalty to them because I, I just can't. I can't afford royalties the, the now. Drawing, the drawings are amazing um, in them, by the way. Uh, I want to ask one more because I feel like I'm asking too much here. Um, how do you hold auditions? Is it like uh, you sitting there as a band member and like you're holding auditions for these drawers to come up, and you end up picking like the bassist, the drummer. How's that work? Cool. Yeah. That's that's a that's a good question. Oh, it's another Sorry, one. Guys. I'm, I'm I got two good here. questions today. Mark them down. Um. So when it comes to uh, picking the talent, so back in the day, like I said, 2011, when I found Kim Jacinto, the guy who ended up, you know, being a superstar for Marvel. And uh, Jimbo Salgado, the way I started working with them was just to know people. My best friend in college, his brother happened to be an inker and he was Filipino. Those two things are important because um, he ended up inking for Marvel as a side job. But in the Philippines in the 90s and early 2000s, comics were blowing up. So mm. young artists were really into drawing comic books. So that connection right there, that Philippine connection of my best friend's brother being Filipino, knowing friends in the Philippines that wanted to jump over to the U.S. and draw comics in the U.S., I just asked, I said, hey, you have any friends? Show me their pages. Amazing artwork. Jimbo was the first one. He came on board. Once I got somebody as good as Jimbo to work with me, that rose the level, uh, that rose the bar. So I was able to ask other artists of the same caliber. Hey, look at what Jimbo's doing. We had, he worked with me. We had a great deal. We put out a great product. Do you want to work with me? So that was the online version of the auditions. Just me reaching out to them because I've seen their work through their Facebook pages or their DeviantArt pages, me chasing them down. Then when you go to the comic conventions where I'm sitting at a booth at New York Comic Con, uh, artists will come by and they'll see my booth. They'll see the quality of the work and they'll say, hey, you, you got work here. Let me show you my portfolio. And I'll either give them tips or I'll say, let me get your card and let's work together in the future. Or I go down Artist Alley and shop, 
say, man, this guy's great. You have time on your schedule. You want to work with me? And that's mm -hmm. how I work with a lot of the artists that I work with. Have some of the uh, artists that you've worked with, like, changed your perception of some of your, like, your characters by, like, visualizing them differently than you might have thought in your own head when you're writing them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the biggest contribution I think the artists have, besides the visualizations of the characters, um, because that really comes through in the conceptual stuff when they're showing me head sketches of the characters and I'll go back and forth and we'll tweak the look of the character. And a lot of times they'll offer me something completely different than I was asking for. And I'm like, I love it. That's great. But where that really comes to fruition is on the page in the storytelling. So the great thing about a good comic book artist is not just the ability to draw a really cool or pretty looking picture. It's the ability to tell a story, to have the character emote. Uh, uh, mm. If a comic book writer is like a screenwriter, then the comic book artist is like the director and the actor because he's got to make those characters' faces emote um, and react. So a lot of times the artist will interpret the words that I've written on the page differently than I intended. Sometimes they do it on purpose. Sometimes they're like, this is iffy, John. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spice this up. I've had Jamar in particular in recent memory in issues five and six. Jamar has had the ability to emote a character's reaction so well that I removed all the speech bubbles from the page. Mm. I, I, no need for dialogue because the art is that good. So that's how an artist can influence the writer and the, the publisher in the, in the same way. Yeah. Does it ever go the other way where you have a specific image and they're just not quite getting it and they're kind of being stubborn with how they think it should be and you're just like, nah, dude. <laughs> I think what Eric's asking, did the image suck so much you had to add yeah. thought bubbles? <laughs> yeah, it's nothing but bubbles and a guy behind it. <laughs> um, sort of. So there was this one uh, page where um, uh, Kid Prodigy... Um, awesome character, know, by the um, way. Awesome character. Thanks, man. I got to so throw Kid that Prodigy's, in. Kid Prodigy in a jail cell. And I'm like, how does he have a, a silent conversation with an invisible woman? Because that's what happens. She's, Ethereum is like a ghost, right? So she comes into the jail cell, and had, they don't want plenty the of them. to know that she's... <laughs> I've had plenty of them. Invisible, invisible girlfriends? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> super hot, though. The conversations only last a minute and a half, if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> it's awesome. Different so type of magazine, the, Scott. Different type of magazine. <laughs> Sorry, so the on. artist just wasn't the artist just wasn't getting well, how do I have this character communicate to an invisible person? And how do I draw this? And he just wasn't getting it on the page. And he was trying and trying. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna draw stick figures. And okay. I'm gonna have red pen and black. And then I'm gonna scan it and send it to you. And there's been a couple of times when I'll just say my words probably weren't clear enough or my concept wasn't clear enough and the artist just couldn't get it. So I had to do stick figures. And once I do that, we call them thumbnails in the industry. I'll do thumbnails of a page. I'll send it over to the artist and they're like, got it. And they fix it. Um, there was one gorgeous spread in, in issue number one of this giant creature, like Galactus style in space made of this rock. It's like an earth creature out in space that the, um, the character sovereign who's sort of like a Superman character just was being held in his hand by the giant creature and burst through his fingers. I made Jimbo take a two-page spread, incredibly detailed work, a two-page animated draw it three times because he wasn't getting it. And I felt terrible about that. 
But at the end of the day, it's got to serve the story. And he ended up knocking out of the park yeah. in the end. Good. Yeah, Great question. Really cool. um, we, we all have our uh, – I, I know for me personally, like, with reading comic books growing up and just watching all the animated series and stuff like that, and I could imagine, like, if I were to create something, like, I would be heavily influenced by Batman. He's just always been my favorite. Um, where do you get your influences for your characters? Like, how do you come up? Like, where's the inspiration for creating these? So, originally, for, let's just take Jaded for a second, because I have other comics, too. But I'm going to take Jaded to specifically address that question first. So, Jaded initially was supposed to be a satire on people who are perceived to be heroes today. Um and superheroes that we all know and love. So I was purposely mixing a Batman character with like a soldier character. Mm -hmm. I was purposely mixing a Superman character with a policeman type of personality. I was specifically doing that. Um, so those characters all came out. So Kid Prodigy was a version of Spider-Man. Um, Etheria was a version mm -hmm. of Invisible Woman. Uh, Devlin was a version of Batman. And Sovereign was a version of Superman. Oh, and Grady was a, a version of Flash. But they quickly evolved after that first concept just visually alone, they quickly evolved into something more. So I started to draw inspiration from um, a little bit of self-reflection on what my bad attitudes were because the name of the book is Jaded. And I felt like I had a jaded mm -hmm. personality, um, especially from deployment and some of the things that I seen um, when I was deployed and thinking about what makes a hero and why do people say thank you for your service or just because they see you in uniform, they don't know if you're a good person or not. Um, you know, I, I, I struggle with that a lot. I struggle being, you know, labeled a hero just because I wore a uniform that bothered me uh, because I just felt like I didn't deserve it. So I would take some of my character flaws and put them in each of the characters. And so I drew inspiration from my own flaws and I kind of used it as a catharsis, as almost a therapy of how, how somebody with flaws can still be a good person if they work through them. And that's what each jaded character represents a flawed version of either my or people that are close to me personality and how can they work through them, uh, through adversity. Uh, I thought that was important to talk mm -hmm. about in comics at least. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of inspiration for other non-related superhero characters, um, Everhounds, I love doing Everhounds. Um, the inspiration for the characters was just, people that I knew or personalities that I knew in daily life, people that I, I saw, you know what? I like to take that personality from a coworker who's just a larger than life personality, really funny guy and turn him into a giant robot, half robot, half man, and just roll with it. See what that's like. Um, mm -hmm. And then sometimes just out of nowhere. Uh, so I guess just from the id, the inner psyche, just come up with something. But for the most part, it's either people that I know, or, you know, think about what I'm trying to say, archetypes, and work with that. What well, Kid uh, Kid Prodigy, who, honestly, um, yeah. all four stories, his story, to me, was the most fucked up. And it's ironic yeah. how you made the kid's story the most fucked up. Like, yeah. And that was the one I was most into. Like, I was like, holy shit. Did you play Sega Genesis growing up? I did. And he reminded me of Kid Chameleon. Do you remember that so game? Is that, um, is that relevant? No, it's, no? Okay. it's not. But somebody told me, was it Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network? There's a character on Cartoon Network that has the same style helmet that I had no idea about. Um, so I don't know Kid Chameleon, and I don't know this other 
Kid character in Cartoon Network that has a similar helmet. But does Kid Chameleon have a similar outfit? No, what Kid Chameleon was, he was like, a, it was a rare game in uh, Genesis, and he was just a normal kid, but he like put on different outfits every every uh, oh. level he was in. So it has nothing to do with like a ripoff. It just, I don't know, it brought me back to like an old Sega video game. But I will say, the way that you started off the comics with a couple of things in the cells, you know what it reminded me of? Twisted Metal Black for PS2. It had a Twisted Metal feel to it. Which I really liked. It was like yeah, I remember Twisted Metal too, but I don't remember cells. What what happened with cells in that game? Well, like they they would start off in Twisted Metal Black. You'd start off, you pick a character, and it start off with the beginning of their story. And like a lot of them were in a jail cell or a psychiatric ward, and it would be like five years I've been in here. And then it would show like clips of the backstory, and you'd have to defeat the levels to get the middle story and then the end story. So it kind of it, it brought me to like a dark twisted metal, which I enjoy, which I thought cool. it was really cool, man. So it it also jumped around in time like yep. that. Yep. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look that up. I actually I have a Sega Genesis. I like to collect old games. I'm gonna have to look that one up. Yeah, you could Google, you could YouTube Twisted Metal Black stories. They're fucked up, but they're like they're great. They're really great. I, I like a fucked up story. I like a good <laughs> fucked up story. Yeah. When uh when you're creating a new character in the comic book world, where's the fine line between someone saying, you know, that one's very similar to one that I just created, and if the person's not well known, what what is that type of side of the industry like? Because I'm so, sure millions of different characters from people. Yeah, so are you asking, like, if I feel like I've seen something out there that reminds me of something that I did or the other way yeah. around? Yeah, or it, anyway, either way. Like, what is it like? Like, comedians so, stealing each other's jokes. Yeah, I'll tell you, the one that shocked me the most was uh, I'm a big comic guy and I'm a big Garth Ennis fan, but I had never read the series Boys, The Boys. Mm -hmm. My cousin texted me out of the blue last year when The Boys came out, and he goes, yo, they stole your idea on Amazon. It's a show called The Boys. I'm like, first of all, they didn't steal my idea. That's a Garth Ennis comic. I never got around to reading, but I'll check it out. Holy shit. The Boys is like, what if Jaden was fucking good? What if Jaden was like the best thing in the world? Yeah. I, I'm, si I'm sitting there crying like this is, this is an ultimate version of my story. You know, or an alternate version of my story done like so much better than me because I worship at, at that guy's uh, feet. He's a great writer. Um, but, you know, I know that I wasn't influenced by it, and I don't. I think other people might think it would be, but it doesn't matter to me. I was able to enjoy that story completely top to bottom. I went out and I read the graphic novel, loved it, and I was able to appreciate the similarities while being able to realize that my book is really totally different. It's just conceptually similar. I think that's what you're talking about. There's so many people that, whether you steal each other's stuff on purpose, like comedians, or whether it's just concepts that are similar, as long as it's unique and it's got a signature of your own, I don't think anybody's coming after anybody, especially not in the comic book industry. Look, think about Marvel and DC. Hawkeye, Green Arrow, uh, Red yeah. Tornado, Vision. They're the same characters on two <clears throat> sides. And, they, and it goes, the list goes on and on in, the, yeah. in those two, big two yeah, comic like series. Every so one, in the comics world, it's fair game. Yeah, every one of those is like mirror... Of everyone, it's like Batman, Captain America, Superman, Captain Marvel, like same yeah. thing, you know. Yeah, and then when you think back in, oh, geez, what year was it? I want to say twenty ten, maybe two twenty oh nine. If you're into comics, even if you're not, you know the stories because you've heard of Red Hood. I'm sure everybody here has heard of Red yeah. Hood, and yeah. you've heard of Winter Soldier. Yeah, they're both sidekicks. 
that were long dead, that were thought to never be able to be yep. revived, that showed up in comics two months apart at the yeah, same exactly. time, and both as bad guys, and both secret, nobody knew who they were, and then psych reveal, it's yeah. a long-lost um, sidekick. Sidekick, partner, friend, right. everything. Yeah. Both uh, Judd Winnick for Red Hood, great, outstanding writer. Um, uh, his name is Ed Brubaker for Winter Soldier. They created those characters. They didn't know anything. Maybe they were hanging out after a Comic-Con, drinking a beer. Maybe they were shopping stories and they were drunk and they had no idea they did it. Who knows? The point is, we enjoy their stories. They're similar, but they're different enough and they have enough of a signature that everybody yeah. can enjoy both. How is there any comic um, thing turned like DC or Marvel turned to a movie? One that you think they fucked up completely, and two you think gets a no, and two you think gets a bad rap that actually is better than a lot of the comic fans or Marvel fans give like um, is better than than they'd give credit for. I think uh, Halle Berry's Catwoman is underrated. That is a piece of fine art. Really? No, yeah. no, that I was, was actually really kidding. well done. That was terrible. Um, <laughs> I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I was just fucking kidding. Uh, and, and to each his own. I mean, there are people that like. I mean, the, the basketball scene. So I I collect every comic book movie that I can get on Blu-ray, no matter how bad it is, right? So I got okay. Dolph Lundgren's Punisher. I got Howard the Duck. I collect everything. Well, Howard the Duck is oh. a classic. We don't talk bad about Howard the Duck on this show. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun watch, though. It I is. Couldn't even, I couldn't even hate watch Catwoman. Who was it was Cal so bad, I couldn't who, even... Who was Howard the Duck? Corey, or was it... um? Who fucking played him? Uh, Corey... The guy, was that the same it guy? Corey Feldman? No, it wasn't? No, no. Oh, that's going to bother see, me. I can see why you could... With the raspy why you might think that so so with your comics, no but but dude you really like catwoman i didn't think it was bad i no, mean it's cool i just want to hear more look, about it no 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 dude compared to some of the look i'm a huge batman fan and the shit that they've tried to throw together with all the dc movies trying to catch up with everything marvel with the avengers it's it, it was pathetic like it was just awful i mean which one obviously which one? What do you mean? Batman versus Superman? Which one are you talking about? Yeah, I'm just talking about all the DC movies in general. Yeah. After Look, after Nolan made his series with the trilogy, everybody knows what happened. I was, obviously, Heath Ledger died. They couldn't make any more going along those lines. So they kind of had to restart the whole thing. But in that time, they were making Iron Man. They were putting out Captain America. Like They were building up, and they took the time yeah. to build up those things perfectly. And then with the boom of all the comic book movies and the people, these studios seeing how much money that uh, all these movies right. were making. It was like, they tried to hop on these DC franchises, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Batman. Oh, just fucking reboot Batman. Do it again. Who cares? Throw yeah. this one, throw that one in, fuck the story. Let's just make it comic booky. And they ruined them. Right. I agree with you. And to, an to answer the original question, um, I'm going to pick Batman versus Superman, not because it was a terrible movie. I can enjoy parts of that movie. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not my... The reason I, I will pick that one is one they really fucked up is because it was Frank Miller's Dark Knight. That is yeah. an amazing... Frank Miller's Dark Knight is an amazing story. And yeah. you don't half-ass that. You don't no. shove that into your movie. 
that is an amazing story, an amazing movie, and it's unique, and it needs its own signature style. And yeah. they just, just forced, they wedged it in and screwed it up. And now, I, I don't think, aside from the, from the animated one they did, they're never going to do that again, and we'll never get it. And that's why no. I'm... I, I also... It's, funny though, it's funny, though. Hold, hold on, one more thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's funny, though. Some of the... I would argue that the majority of the animated Batman movies are a lot better than anything that's put out, like, live action. Killing Joke yeah, was amazing. Good stuff. Like, like, yeah, you, you watch Killing Joke. You watch... Uh, I mean, even the Suicide Squad one, Assault on Arkham. That's one of the greatest... That was awesome. That's one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. When I first heard they were making a Suicide mm -hmm. Squad... I was like, holy shit, if they make it like Assault on Arkham, that's going to be a fantastic movie. And then the piece of shit that they just put out was like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? They just regurgitated it out. It was, it was awful. But James Gunn version, if you've seen the trailer, that looks awesome. Or at Who least the behind the scenes. I don't know. I don't know. I'd... Who do you think is the best character combined with actor that's ever been put out? Like, Christian Bale. I'm gonna, is the best I have Batman, an you know? easy answer. Okay, and go it's on. Not, yeah. not just because I'm a Captain America fan. He's top two, Batman and Captain America. That they, they personified Cap. Yeah. In Chris Evans, Chris, he is he's perfect. Good looking. You can't be that good looking and be Captain America. That's, that's the whole purpose of Captain America, you fool. That's, but that's bullshit. <laughs> that's like that's, I hate that. that. But he, wasn't, like, he wasn't. That's why I hate these I don't know, movies, though. John. He, that's he, plays, why I hate he plays the character perfect. No, that's Robert why I hate these movies. Thor. That, that, Thor is the, the 10. Robert, and then he gets Downey a is, oh, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. I don't know. I like that, these nerds. For me personally, he's a close second. All right. Well, I he's like a close second. Nerds. I think, I think um, who? No, like who? No, I like I like the superheroes that like are the average Joes who become superheroes. It's just not believable when you got a great looking guy like Chris Evans. You could tag him in this too, bro. A so, great looking guy. Scott, give me an ugly superhero. Becomes but, Captain America. Yeah, but, Fuck him. Like but it fits, I can't be Captain but it America. I'm a fits six. In the con he he looks like <laughs> he looks like Captain America in the comics though. And I will tell you, uh, maybe Brian, you disagree with me. I don't think they've Pick the single actor that has the look. The closest one they've come is um, Batfleck. He's the closest to the look of Batman. But they haven't come, they haven't brought the guy with the right size, with the right debonair look. Nobody. Pattinson is definitely not him. No. I, I haven't found anybody that personifies Batman from the comic yet. Look, I'll, I, I will love agree. the actors. I love Christian Bale as Batman. Yeah. But I'll like agree the look, with, they haven't nailed it. John Hamm would have been great. The, yeah, he would have. But I will agree with you on the Ben Affleck thing because I think Ben Affleck touched into a part of the emotional side of Bruce Wayne and why he was doing what he was doing. I thought that that was, like, the only bright spot in the Batman versus Superman and, like, that aspect that he brought to the character. Like, just the way he was so brutal and he just didn't give a shit anymore. And, like, the fact that Gotham was the way it was and he's just, like, pretty much, all right, fuck this. I'm just going to beat the shit out of everybody and I'm going to get my way and do what I need to do. And I thought he embodied that really well. And I think that, he did, too. Yeah. And I think Robert Pattinson could do that too. If you saw that trailer, yeah. he's beating yeah. the shit out of that dude. Yeah, he's he's the skinny little guy. He's like like the runt of the litter in in one of my formations. He's just a small. He doesn't I, look like Batman to me. I really think so it's gonna be he like might the, be the best Batman actor. 
It's definitely gonna be like a Heath Ledger yeah, thing where I think be, everybody's talking shit right now and he he's might gonna be, do a good job. I, I'm not talking shit about his acting. Mm -hmm. I think he has the potential to be the very best Batman from an acting perspective. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't look like Batman comics. from the page. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And growing up with comics, it's hard for me to disassociate. I can appreciate the yeah. movie. I can love the movie. Right. But they just haven't done Batman himself yet. Captain you know America, spot on. Tony my boy, Stark, spot on. My boy, Heath, my boy Fal Kilmer does not get enough love as Batman. I'm sorry. Oh, that, no, was the best, no. that was the best <laughs> Batman movie. You're no. What? The line, I was scared of wow, only at first. That line was amazing. You're saying, <laughs> you're saying Ben Affleck brought out the emotion. Well, when Val Kilmer was laying there, I was scared at first, but only at first. And he's talking about his parents getting shot and the bat coming down in the caves. That was real emotional. And, and yeah. Tommy Lee Jones was a great... Great toothpaste. Great toothpaste. <sighs> but Val Kilmer also said chicks dig the car. Batman would fucking say and chicks dig the car. And Chris Evans is a 10, and he's <laughs> Captain America? Another problem I have. The new Superman, Kevin Costner, his father, the idiot's getting taken by a tornado, and he tells his son not to save him? You're Superman! Save him, you moron! Yeah, you that's, that's don't point. listen to your dad and save him. You actually just watch the movie, or did you just like... <laughs> what are you doing? I got pissed in that scene and I checked out. He looked at his son and goes, Don't save me. Fuck you, it's a tornado. And you know the guy in Twister, the idiot holding the Oh, so that everybody sees that oh you're such a freak? No. I mean you're sure. But that was the point. He he was trying to show that the world wasn't ready for Superman yet and he wasn't ready to do shit like that. Yeah. Well, enjoy so he had to I feel like you just get angry at like films and stuff and you yeah. just like totally just like go off the rails on the actual movie or anything <laughs> itself. Just I, judging people by their looks that. or by their actions at the moment. No, I agree with him on that point and, and here's why. Because Superman is not just all about brawn. If you make him just about his punching it sucks, right? That's not good enough to be Superman. He does have wit. And in that moment, his big bad guy, his Lex Luthor, was how do I save my father without anybody seeing me? And he fucking failed. Yeah. He should have been able to figure it out. And he didn't. Listen. That's why that sucked. Because Superman, would, Christopher Reeve would have figured it out. Yeah, a fucking, here's the bottom line. Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt survived the fucking tornado, and they're in the middle of it. This guy could have figured <laughs> out. This guy could have figured out how to save his goddamn father. We gotta get a tornado specialist on this podcast next. <laughs> yeah. John, John, I have to ask, how much, and I mean this in the most, the nicest way, how much nerd shit does your wife put up with before she says that's enough? Um, I'll tell you that she made it, uh, she made it through Iron Man. In two viewings, it took her two viewings to make it to Iron Man. We still haven't finished Captain America, the first one. That's wow. as much as she's put up with. Okay. So she didn't finish the movie. She watched one Star Wars movie. No. Only I've one? Never seen, I've never right. seen Which Star one? Wars. The first, uh, A New Hope, first one. A New Hope, that's it. Another one that gets that's a bad it. rap, The Phantom Menace was a good movie. I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. Darth Maul, that yeah. scene. Stir up trouble. Saved the whole Darth Maul was, that weapon is the, they name, didn't... Me, name me a better weapon in a fucking movie than the double-edged lightsaber. You can't. It's dope. It's, it's dope. the best I... weapon. That's my weapon of choice in an apocalypse. And Darth yeah, Maul is didn't... my fucking friend. But they didn't do enough with Darth Maul. He had so much more of a fucking role. He, he had a great potential. And then they bring Count Dooku with a stupid fucking yeah. like that. With a <laughs> cane lightsaber. That, there was nothing close to the two-edge lightsaber. One. <laughs> no, but we, did get to see, we did get to see Yoda in action in that, though. That was cool. That was awesome. I yeah. will say that was awesome. 
What um, you, I, I you, love John. Oh, well, sorry, Eric, really good. I love John. I love your uh, never-ending story um, reference. reference. Kid yeah. Prodigy one with the Falcor, Falcor. This is actually the second time never-ending story. And your best friend over here, Brian, your comic, your comic buddy, hasn't seen <laughs> never-ending. I still haven't seen it yet. I, I still never I watched it. I don't think you should, man. It doesn't hold up. Like, if you <laughs> love it when you were a kid, you can enjoy it. I don't. I think it's too late, bro. Brother. No, don't I do just, it. Yeah, I want to throw out the appreciation. Like we, I want to throw out the appreciation factor that you threw that in your dialogue, though. Yeah, no problem, man. I love that movie. It's phenomenal, Eric. You had a question. Sorry, I was going to ask if you sit there specifically to make it look like you have Batman ears. No, why? How am I that doing that? Product in the back. I can't. Every as you sit there, sit perfectly straight <laughs> like up. A little bit more to the other way. Sit, sit directly in the middle. I can't not see. Yeah, it. That's all that I oh. see. I can't see the comic book. I can't not yeah. see it. I did that on purpose. Now I'm, I can't I'm, not see it either. I'm not moving either. I'm good, man. I'm, uh, I got, I'm out of questions. Anybody else have any? Dan, Brian, Eric? That's the one I asked about an hour ago. All good? Okay. All good, bud. John, thanks for coming out. Tell us where we can get your comic books at. All right, so um, if you if you just go to Backer Kit and you look up Jaded uh, or Jaded Graphic Novels, you should be able to find it and look at the store. It's called a pre-order store, but I really have everything in hand, uh, and I'm able to ship it out to you. So we've got the Jaded Graphic Novels, got all six issues. We've got Wordsmith, which is a one-shot about a poet who learns that his poetry is the fucking magic and magic spells, and he makes people explode with it by accident. And uh, let's see, here's Everhounds. You can also get that there. Uh, Everhounds is like a sci-fi, futuristic time travel book. Um, you can also get there some versions of Jaded that you can only get um, through Backer Kit. You can't get it at conventions. You can't get it at comic shops. I mean, comic shops all over the Northeast. But I've got these variants. I've got this uh, Etheria variant here. And I had a really awesome uh, cosplayer named Janet in cosplay, who actual costume version of Etheria, and you can get that version on the backer kit too uh, what, so what we'll put the link you, in the video what stores are you in uh in the northeast like if you got a, you're in new york right oh man uh yeah Zom zombie planet in all but man uh alterniverse in poughkeepsie megabrain comics uh i'll shout them out in um um hyde park um all the ones that were in New York City are already gone by now. Uh, all the ones that are in the Bronx are gone by now. So outside of those few comic shops, maybe six or eight left in the Northeast, the only way to get them right now is direct to the consumer from me, the publisher. Awesome, man. So, uh, John, thanks for coming on. Check out Iron Age Comics. Even if you're not in the comics, I'm not a huge comic guy. I read them all. They are fucking cool. The drawings are awesome. They'll bring you back to some, if you're into Twisted Metal and shit like that, they'll bring you back into that stuff, the evil darkness, which I like, which is kind of sick in the head, but it is what it is. Eric's car's ruined because of DoorDash and he spilled soup. That's another funny story. Yo, man, thanks a lot for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, you're welcome, thanks. guys. Thanks for inviting me.